We're bringing you breaking news on the hour, every hour. Now we have a report from the detective searching for the despotic Rasputin and his demon hordes. For a long time, we've had no leads on this man, but the recent upset of a college campus has put us back on the right track. Oh, I can't believe it! We packed like 15 guys in this phone booth, but then some fugly Russian Yaga popped up and just ate them all! Not cool! At first, this made no sense at all. How could a Yaga fit into a crammed phone booth? Then I looked and saw that it, it had eaten its way out of some guy's stomach. Clearly, a fake goldfish was swallowed. Our investigation at first seemed to indicate that the goldfish was swallowed on top of a flagpole. That made no sense. So we looked for punch bowls spiked with something a little different than alcohol. The hunt was on. For sure, guys. I thought it was super weird that you wanted to know what happened to the animals on that train car we, uh, I mean, someone derailed. But then I saw those freaky mutant chickens and was all, whoa! Turns out that those mutant chickens went on a penny raid at the Order of Rasputin. They left one egg behind, and he turned that egg into something awful, uh, something unbelievable. It's a good thing somebody grabbed it and egged a house that night. Poor Rasputin. He tried scaring kids, but none of them understood Russian curses, so he drank ten bars empty that night. He tried to convince all the people with him that they were the children of monkeys, but that didn't work either. Still, if he hadn't been fed up enough to just summon a Yaga out of some phone booth packer, we might never have caught this trail. The man's a born schmoozer. Right, okay, no hides. Men have the trail of Rasputin and will follow it day and night. Their next stop is the scene of a gruesome borst engagement that went horribly wrong when, when sucking my port out of the bulls. More news on the hour, every hour. My calculations are correct. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're gonna see some serious shit. Three, two, one. RPGs from the 1980s right up through yesteryear. Brought to you by the staff of RPGamer.com, we tackle the good, the bad, and the ugly games from nearly 30 years of RPG history. So sit down and hold on tight. Your next adventure is about to begin. Here are the hosts of RPG Backtrack, Phil Willis and Mike Minky. And welcome to RPG Backtrack number 93. This this one is... Okay, who's making the gurgling sounds? Don't make the gurgle sounds. This one's called Devil Doll. It sounds like we're summoning up the devil or something with all those gurgling thingies going on. That's actually quite appropriate, considering the subject matter. And uh, leading this soulless army on is the man, the legend, Mr. Mike Minky. Well... I was voted most unique in high school, whatever legend that qualifies me for. Mm-mm. You are quite the individual. And... I feel like we should do some 70s flower power stuff right now, and I don't think we should ever do that again. Nope. <laughs> and welcoming back Mr. Scott Walker. I was not summoning demons. It was a sugar. <laughs> And a man who never has to summon any demons because he's too busy wrestling with his own Mr. Michael Baker. Have you been talking to my psychologist? <laughs> I'm everywhere. <laughs> 
And last but most definitely not least, the man who sounds like he just got through wrestling with the demon and barely came out of it in one piece, Mr. Manny. It's just called living in Los Angeles. <laughs> it's all that smog you got out there. That's a myth. Ah, that's right. It's actually actually all here in Salt Lake because we are surrounded. We're in a valley surrounded by mountains and that, that inversion sets in and gets all smoggy and dusty and polleny and nasty. It's, it's a wonder we just don't all croak and die at once. Somehow we survive oh, actually like living. Like years. Yeah, yeah. I love the commercials for like Utah. It's like come out and experience nature, and I'm driving to work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's great as long as you're in one of the mountain resorts. But uh, yeah, think twice before coming to the city um, during the inversion seasons. So, of all the things that the Mormons do well, apparently environmental organization is not one of them. <laughs> ah, just in the, the valley, I tell you. So, but. Less about the environment, more about the retro gaming today. We are talking about Devil Summoner games. Uh, two of them that uh, that some of us on the show here have played, and two of them which I don't think anyone's played the other two, right? They're well, simultaneously I, too new and too old. That's right. Too new and too one old at them, the same time. One of them was played by Mr. Baker, and if I am still here when we get to that point, I can talk about it. Hmm. But that gets into quasi-weird territory because I just played it last month, and it was brand new. And it, I'm not supposed to really spoil things about something that has only been out a month, am I? But it's, I, it's, I did it six years ago, so... Yeah, yeah about to say, Maybe but it's so old. we just put a pin in that one for an episode two months from now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. Just throwing that out there. Just throwing it out there. Well, what I'm throwing out there is that we need to take a brief break, and we'll come back and get this party started. Turn. We're going to start this off by talking about Shimigami Tensei, Devil Summoner. I am not even going to pronounce this guy's name versus the Soulless Army. Who, who the heck? Okay, who wants to pronounce this whole thing? Raido Kuzunoha. Thank no, you. Uh, that one's an easy one. I'm sorry. Uh, I call foul on you, Phil. I'll take your word for you it. You just aren't even trying. Actually, you're right. I'm not trying. This is the way <laughs> Phil properly pronounces this game Shimigami Tensei, Devil Summoner, Raldu Kazuki. Versus the Soulless Army. There you go. All right. That's a proper fill. You asked for it, Scott. You got a fill pronunciation. Are you happy? There we go. Yes. I am immensely pleased. (laughs) Those of you playing the home home game may drink. Yeah, there you go. We could call it Raydal Kahuna. That's what it looks more like the Big Kahuna. Raydal the Big Kahuna versus the Soulless Army. Now, that sounds like a more exciting game. 
Uh, just, there's actually there's actually a reason for his last name being that. Oh, good. I'm sure you'll share it. As soon as I tell everybody that this long-ass name game was developed by Atlas, published by Atlas, this was released in North America on October 10th, 2006 for your PlayStation 2 home console system. This is a single-player action RPG experience. There, Use my... coupon code RPGamer to get 10% off your discount. <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> I wish. Uh, we, should some, we, should, we could use some kickbacks, some commission monies. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah. See what Matt can do if we really press him on it. We could, we could no, do like... No, we got to press the other one on it first. Ooh, we, we, do, we could do like little commercials like you do on some of those really big podcasts. Yes, this show sponsored by Devil oh, Summoner Doohickey. Yeah. I mean, they don't mind if we slaughter their name too bad during the sponsorship, do they? Oh, I'm sure that's never been an issue. Oh, and we have to make it sound like we really care about the product and we use it in our everyday lives like these other podcast people do. Yeah, yeah. I I play Devil Summoner something Soulless Army every day that I can. It just ties in so well with my life. It re- The story just resonates with me. I'm not just a CEO. I'm a customer myself. <laughs> so, it's a hard choice. A choice of a new generation. Who wants to talk about a new generation of story? So we're, it's interesting that we're starting with this one because this, this, by this point, this is what the second or third Devil Summoner third. game. The third one, but it's it's kind of like um, you know how Atlas goes every time they move on to a new console. They kind of take something old and then they completely swap the genre around, or the style or the story line or something like that. So the first two Devil Summoner games were back for I think Saturn originally, and yep, one of them yep, was and, close to launch on Saturn. Yep. And um, so when they moved, so when Atlas wanted to move a new IP onto the PlayStation 2, they decided to take a lot of the ideas from that, those two games, but then change it into more of an action RPG and make the entire thing a prequel to the first game. Not only that, it's just a big tonal shift, too. Those first games were very much cyberpunk fiction. Yep. Well, but, a lot it's, the, the it's whole like, Megami Tensei early years were cyberpunk. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. But this one, you know. More so. Exactly. But also, you know, yeah, there, look, was no, there was no po- there was apocalypse. If you look at the original two Devil Summoner games, though, um, I mean, one of, the, one of the things that marked that particular iteration was um, how, well, you know, the original Shin Megami Tensei games were very big on the choosing chaos order or neutral paths. Uh-huh. But the Devil Summoner games didn't really have that. Instead, they, they had much more um, noir focus on, like, the mystery and the main storyline. Yeah, so, so the modern day, very much detective story. It's just, yeah. well, 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 good cyberpunk is often just noir detective stories, right? Exactly. It, it is. It is um, the bizarre robot-armed cousin of noir. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So the Rido games just took the noir style, set the entire thing in the like night in the I Taisho guess, era Japan. Well, that's the thing. They called the Taisho era of Japan, but if you actually Except look they at extended the, it like five years. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's five years after the Taisho emperor stepped down or died. I can't remember if he stepped down or he five died. He, he only lasted fourteen years, I think. <laughs> fourteen and a half. Uh, I don't, they, I, understandably so, they don't want to get into the Showa Emperor territory and, J- and Japan's imperialist actually, event. Actually, that's kind of part of what they work with with this game is um, the whole rivalry going on between the army side and the navy side. That's um, kind of a reflection of the, the divi- literally divine conflict that's going on during the game. Part of that is actually based around the um, buildup of the military establishment during the Taisho period that would lead into the, um, basically the military empire of Showa. Well, it's set. The first one is set in thirty-one, right? There's no taking over of Manchuria and renaming it Manchukuo in this game, right? <laughs> nope, because partly because um, 
the Taisho Emperor was not not the strongest guy in Japanese history. Um, the politics of the era were all over the place, and that's why the army and the navy were jockeying for positions so much during that time period. But when when he um, well, when the Showa Emperor came in, Showa Emperor was like barely old enough to take the throne at the time, but he was had a much stronger personality and. Everything kind of coalesced together better. And, and for those who who don't have a degree in East Asian studies or live in Japan, the Showa Emperor was Emperor Hirohito. Yeah, and that's about the time where all the big plans for the Second World War on the Japan side came into focus. So, but of course, all of that undertone and all that stuff doesn't matter because the reason why within fiction that whole period has been extended because time travel in the future. I thought it was alternative history. Because of it was altered by future because robots. time travelers. <laughs> yeah, I remember the final level was just bizarre that way. Yeah, it, it, this, this game is a bit of a... Like that last act sort of comes out of nowhere. You think it really is just this sort of detective story where like they're mixing the old and like very much like this conflict between like uh, sort of the folklore and the tradition of Japan with modernization and sort of how does a devil... How does someone who communes with spirits live in that world but also live in the modern world at the same time and you think that's a lot of what the conflict of the game is and then it turns out like well futures people robots time travel <laughs> so yeah well, I, well I, you kind of have to it, it's a jrpg you still have yeah. to go off the rails entirely for the ending Fair pretty enough. much yeah yeah the, the yeah the beginning and the middle right the end is just yeah, about the time where they launched the cat into orbit that's about when I just had to shake my head and say no guys we need to work on the story a bit um, oh you missed the best part where they built that little satellite rocket in the junkyard yeah uh, from scraps of like early 19th like 20th I mean, century cars awesome what, was, was Tony Stark there? no but he would have fit in really well oh no my favorite part was when they used, when they um, summoned a was was he actually a Japanese elder god that possessed a battleship, like a copy of the battleship Yamato, out in the harbor and changed it into a giant transformer? Yep. Yep. But gameplay-wise, it's interesting. We're talking about all this crazy stuff, but when it comes down to the core, it's an action RPG slash Pokemon. Um, that's only like saying anything in Shin Megami Tensei is like Pokemon, which is oh, but not- I mean directly in that you're capturing demons and putting them in your tubes, <laughs> and and this time mashing the buttons actually helps. Yes. Not like all those Game Boys that had the B button broken. <laughs> I know, I know. SMT has always been very much like the dark cousin of Pokemon. But this one felt even more so like that because there's no negotiation. There's no, like, the demons aren't your partners. It's lower their health to, into the red zone and then launch an empty tube and capture it. Suck it in, suck it in. You got it. Bending the demons to your will. And, and the type advantage plays into that even here. Yeah, I was gonna say. Um, oh, going back to going back to his name though. There's there's actually um, well, Kuzunoha actually has some special meanings in Japanese history. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like way way back. It's about eight hundred years ago or so. There was a sorcerer in Japan. He was a kind of magician called an onmyoji. That's the kind of guy who binds demons and forces them to his will and does all sorts of crazy magic. Um, and his name was Abenoseme. He was like he's like the Japanese version of Merlin in many ways. But his mother was a fox demon named Kuzunoha. And he was human? Theoretically, but it's like saying Merlin well, was human. Merlin was actually Was Merlin human? human? No, Merlin uh, was- b- by the most generous standards possible, I suppose. Yeah. Any information on the father here? No, if I remember right, actually I think I read the manga based on this. Um he was 
ha um, well, he was originally being raised by his mother's people, and then finally some Buddhist monks took him away and put him in a monastery for the sake and for the safety of the nation, because they were afraid that if he if they let the demons raise him for too long, then he'd be completely unstoppable. They actually had a point, I'd say. Yep. But for the purposes of this game, detectives. <laughs> but, so, yeah, so, uh, so, so Raido Kuzunoha is like the umpteenth descendant of this sorcerer. Just 14. Just 14. Yep. And you work for the, you work for, you, you safeguard the capital. Mm-hmm. Hmm. You know, we're talking all this up, but, uh, it's interesting though. In a lot of ways, it was like the sort of action RPG of the. Well, it's 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 interesting. The Mega Ten, they sort of have all the different little branches, you know, like sort of how uh, Digital Devil Saga was the Final Fantasy Ten of the Mega Ten series, mm -hmm. and this one was a weird mix between like a, a bigger action RPG like Kingdom Hearts, but also very firmly in, but still, you know, very firmly in the old Mega Ten series. Like a lot of what was happening in that. Game, I've been talking about this on the RPG cast. Like a lot of the storytelling in that. Is very much sort of theater in the mind, theater of the mind. Or instead of actually depicting things to you, it'll describe it to you. There's lots of talking heads. Like instead of like animating every little cutscene or every store, going to every storefront, it's all pre. A lot of it's pre-rendered, and you'll walk into a storefront and be like, you'll you'll push X, and you'll be like, inside this store, you see a person working on like making shoes in a Western fashion. You can see sweat dripping off their brow, or you know, that's a lot of what the investigation is when you aren't using your demons to help you sort of traverse the environment. Or unlock secrets. Or actually, one of my favorite things was that you can have like a pagan order demon with you, and you can sort of just read the minds of characters who wouldn't give you the information otherwise. And or I think that was probably just one of people who are hanging out. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that was probably one of the best things they could have done is that they brought the demon summoning double the demon summoning into the investigation. So it made you feel it's even more like almost like, a like they had it right this time. I wonder if there was another Shin Megami Tensei game that could have done that. I wonder which one. Persona Four. Oh, let you use your demons in uh, your relationships with people? No, I, I th no. Honestly, I think Persona 4's story should have been this engine. Mm -hmm. Just there we go. It I, looks I good still. I mean, I'm currently playing through Devil Summoner Two. I'm sure we'll get there. I'm but but this gameplay even is better suited to the story they wanted from from Persona Four. It, it's those pure backgrounds still look good. Yeah. I'm, I'm I'm not finished with the game. I'm only like uh, halfway through chapter five. So when you guys get there, let me know when you're going to talk past chapter five, and I'll leave for a couple minutes. But I think it still looks good. The pure backgrounds work well, and the fact that so much of what's happening in the story in the game is happening in your imagination because it's all text. It sort of holds up even better than it would otherwise. It, it, it's got that almost uh, graphic novel quality where Absolutely. even though you have art, it's uh, that you do have text to augment it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it, even, just, even just having narration, really an element of narration to it adds to the noir. Absolutely. Like it's something that's actually missing from, say, L.A. Noir. They tried to in L.A. Noir with those little flashbacks. Kind of. It, it but you're right. There's not enough Cole Phelps talking to himself. But then it would be kind of awkward. If, if I remember, uh, that may have been one of the reasons why they didn't even try voicing or voiceovers in the Rido games is because they wanted to keep that 20s or 30s noir feel. Well, that, that and they just, Shimagami Tensei pr protagonists don't talk much. Yeah, but look at Persona. Hey. Uh, even that guy's not very chatty. I'm not talking about the protagonist. I'm just talking about everybody in Persona. Well, everyone else, yeah. Yeah. It's um, it's kind of an interesting topic that kind of brings up. I've been uh, chit-chatting back and forth with Trent. There was an article written by this one guy. I won't go into detail. I think we linked it before. But he basically, 
he basically makes the argument that RPGs that engage the mind rather than overwhelming you with lots of voice acting and great graphics um, are somehow more appealing on a broad scope because of kind of kind of some of the reasons y'all are kind of pointing out there. Um, and uh, that... Trent wrote up an article to the to for the opposing opinion, but it's it's kind of interesting. Was that Jordan Wiseman who was talking about Shadowrun Returns? Might have been. Yeah, I, you know, I'm really terrible with names, but it, it did have to do with Shadowrun. I believe was one of the examples he mentioned. It was either Shadowrun or Abaddon, the you know, Spiderweb games. That, I mean, uh, playing like I've been following Shadowrun closely, and then playing this, he he, they're very much taking the sort of the Japanese philosophy that that created the, these uh, two Devil Summoner games, and they're completely doing that. They're they don't have the budget to to make the cutscenes and just pick every little scene. So they really are playing on you. And it's also noir, uh, cyberpunk. So they're pretty much... On the, and the writer did have some really crazy cutscenes. It, it's interesting, though, because the, yeah. when, mean, when we get to Devil Summoner 2, it, it yeah. seems like Devil Summoner 2 is so much more of a low-budget title because they reuse so many assets, they cut down on the amount of cutscenes almost none, mm-hmm. and they just recycle as much as they possibly can, and they rely even more heavily on... I'm, I'm just remembering my original impressions of the first Rido game where I mean, it was the first PlayStation 2 game I ever played that had a grotesque imagery and violent scenes warning sticker on the front. They put those on all the Mega 10 games at the time. No, I mean, okay, I mean, it was, it was still fairly early on in my PlayStation 2 ownership days. I think it was maybe like the second or third game I got for that system. And I remember getting it largely because I saw the opening, um, the opening video sequence on a TV in one of the local um, Denki stores. And just oh. thought, okay, that looks cool. You were in Japan at the time. Oh, yeah. Was, it, it was, was there a big, bigger marketing push? Because when it came out here, it was sort of. It, it still feels like this underdog game that if you were in the know, you enjoyed it. Well, but most people, I feel like, weren't in the know. Well, it was. I, I, on, it was playing on the main TV um, in the games area of Yodobashi Camera for about two or three weeks. So, it so, was yeah, a okay, so that's a big push. Oh yeah, yeah. Of course, I mean, I mean, the year before, I heard. I remember hearing the uh, opening theme song to Romancing Saga playing over the background music of a convenience store. So, I mean, we're talking very different gaming cultures here. Uh. Well, speaking of soundtrack, I, I love the sort of jazzy soundtrack that uh, Shoji Meguro did for this one. Well, completely the, fits the man the knows how to jam. Yeah, it's, it's jazzy, it's fun, it's a little lighthearted. Mm-hmm. But I'll be honest, story-wise, as I, I remember enjoying that game, and I remember really enjoying like the particulars of the investigation, but six years later, not a lot of it stuck with me. Well, you, you had the two two groups of gods, and they were one of them was, or the underdog group was manipulating the army. And oh, I I just remember that the sequence where the demon crawled out of the general's mouth. So. Yeah, I re- I remember scenes vividly, like the giant robot, the demon coming out of the mouth, Rasputin being a robot. I remember the characters, like uh, I think I I, I just got to the demon dogs. car the other day. No, it's just fine. I just remember the characters in the, those scenes very vividly, but the actual story itself, I think it's too many twists and turns for its own sake to the point that sort of just sort of washed away. Hmm. It's just my impression. No, no, I, I definitely get you that they got the idea that it's noir means twisty, which means if you played it in, say, chunks months apart like I do with JRPGs, it's like, yeah. so why was I going... I'm just going to go around and talk to people and see what cutscenes happen, and then we'll roll from that. Like like one of the modern classics of, of noir fiction, uh, Chinatown. It's uh, It's been years since I've seen that, but I remember that story and all that's where it was going, how they were like sort of putting things in front of you, and you didn't realize what you were seeing, that you were seeing things that would be significant later. You didn't realize you knew everything the whole time, 
like all the little twists and turns. And I and 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 unfortunately, you joked earlier about it can't be a Japanese RPG without that ridiculous off the rails scene at the end. But I feel like they relied too much on that. They they weren't peppering enough of that story in there. When you go back and you look like, oh, it's so evident. Everything was here in front of me the whole time. That, that is one of the weaknesses, I will say. Yeah, the the ending, just yeah, they they could have done better. Well, Refresh my memory. Uh, what was the ending exactly? Was it just that another Kuzunoha was angry at the first Kuzunoha? I, th- I think it whooped. Their, I'm, I'm seeing a family feud and Rasputin shows up and then big demon fight. Yeah. I will say the smaller moments and the smaller little stories are what stuck with me. Like how you deal with the, the Yakuza and the bathhouse. Or that you never take off your cap. And that, those kind yeah. of little things. The little stories I, I remember. Like, well, hmm. Here we are talking about story. The game. Did you actually guys enjoy playing it? Yeah, um, for the most it's part. a little clunky. I I I found. Yeah, like, I'm, like, I'm, they could have put in more like actual combat options for yes, circle, 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 attack circle, combination. Circle, circle, circle. Like the usual three hit combos, just it kind of wears thin after a while. Yeah, and the gun. Well, even the- even those three hit combos aren't all that satisfying. Like if anyone, for people who might have only played the more popular. Uh, Persona games, you know how you sneak up on dudes to get that extra attack, and how it's kind of awkward, and you have to pace it right? It's that, all the time. Mm-hmm. Circle, 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 circle. And the, there's a, you have a gun with you at all times, that you can pull out a revolver and start shooting with it. But I never, and except for those demons who are specifically weak to revolvers, it never felt that useful, or I never really used it. They well, it's did just it not satisfying the- to fire it. Like, you may as well have a BB gun. That's what it feels what like. What am I honestly. firing, corks? No, you're trying to hit real demons with real bullets, and they just laugh. <laughs> well, e- no, even like when you have magical lightning bullets, you're like. But that, still... that is something that they improved on in the second game with um, just a greater variety of bullets, and they also included some special moves for the swords. It just wasn't enough, even well, in the second game. It's like I said, I'm I'm playing through Devil Summoner right now, Devil Summoner Two, and I've I can think of using. The, I have to remember that I have the gun when I'm fighting. And I'm like 40 hours in, and I I still at the point where like I have to remember like I have a gun. Fine bullets; those things are useful. But at that point, you don't have ammo anymore in the second one. All you ha- you have demon spells that last temporarily. Now these are pretty much the only SMT games that have an action combat system, right? Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, and like you said before, it's the it's not as exciting as it could be. If anything, I think the the best part of the gameplay the, is just using your demons for investigation, sending them on solo missions. Like, like yeah, having like, little Jack Frost like walk around. And like do honestly, if the whole game was just me trying to find the like negotiating with the right demons to get the right powers to do the investigations I need, and Absolutely. no combat ever, I'd be so happy. Much better game, absolutely. And he just demon fusing. The demon fusing, of course, is great as always. If it was just like basically a, uh, Devil Summoner, the adventure game, mm-hmm. I agree wholeheartedly. Like I sometimes you I'm know, in a you dungeon, throw in a I'm like puzzle or two, in. but yeah, give give me give me. Uh, you know, capital city noir. Uh, on the other hand, I'm thinking, um, I'm, I'm looking over my shelf there and I'm seeing another Atlas title called Macken Shao. Did you ever hear of that one? No. No. It was, it was a pure action title, but it, it uses the same sort of art as Megaten games. Uh-huh. And I'm, th- I'm thinking just right now if, if they had taken more of that or if they'd taken more of the team that did that particular game and put them on the Rido uh, battle system, then it probably would have been a lot more interesting. Well, I, I think it's almost similar to how they took the Persona team, and it's like, well, you're really good at writing character relationships. Make a game about character relationships and some sort of other <laughs> gameplay mechanic, and then we get Catherine. 
Persona does feel like a, a bunch of different games sort of mashed together now that you mention it. Well, it, this is something that I'm trying to put together for an editorial, and I'm just rolling it over my brain in a couple of legal pads. And it's just like uh, t- getting really drilling down to the what I find intrinsically valuable about certain games that I'm not totally happy with. And I'm like, this is what your game does well. Stop doing the other crap. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, like I said, I, I actually like. I know I sound down on Devil Summer. I really do like it, but I do. It's because the random battles. You don't have an, you know, you don't have yeah. options to like, avoid them. Like I'm gonna say it now. I think uh, Devil Summoner, like the even these Devil Summoner, might be my favorite. Could be my favorite SMT subseries, except for these really lame random battles that I keep having to fight. But the things they get right, like that's the attention to detail, the the sort of dedication to getting sure they get like 1920s Tokyo just right the the, the interesting mix and the characters of like it, even like the in the localist version making sure you called ladies dames or like getting the right 1920s jargon and slang yeah I know I, I remember one thing that I thought was just really kind of interesting cool about the second game mm-hmm. is uh, when you go out to that town one town in the country and you and there's that one NPC standing by who's he's like a traveling scholar who's collecting uh, folk stories mm-hmm I have a book written by that guy on my shelf. Yeah. Attention to detail, absolutely. Just the little things, they get it all. And that's what they excel. And I have one of one volume of his work, and it's really hard to read through because it's re- oh, incredibly archaic by modern Japanese standards, but it's really interesting. Unfortunately, he doesn't have any stories about giant grasshopper gods in that book. Before you get to the story bits in uh, SMT2, or are we done with SMT1? Is there any, I mean, not, I mean, Devil Summoner 1? Is it um, there anymore? Let's talk about Rasputin some more. Oh, absolutely. Actually, I just got to say the costume design for everyone <laughs> is amazing. Like you oh, were yeah. talking about 1920s detail. Yeah. Even just getting the, the fashion right and the mix of, you know, more traditional Modern. Japanese garb and 1920s, you know, European fashion. Getting that mix right is great. Even just applying it really well. Like, I really like Raido Kuzunaha's outfit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Apparently, high school kids in 1920 Japan had the best uniforms. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's based partially based off of the high school uniform. But yeah, it's um, it's one reason why a lot of um, love series like to use the Taisho period is really because it was that pivotal moment in Japanese history between almost all traditional samurai and modernization. See and also so the, Sakura Taisen and yeah. uh, Roroni Kenshin, right? And, uh, Rurouni um, Kenshin. Um, among other games, I played like Kaiodo's, the awful little Game Boy Advance game I played a year and a half ago. That one was set in the same time period. I have a guest game over here that's set in the same time period for again the same reasons. It's got that just that um, social stress between the old and the new, and everything's just going crazy. Well, that there's you know there's a lot of interesting things to be had in culture clashes, and I think. This particular period has, you know, about three going at any given time. Yep. And depending on your perspective, it's uh, great, amazing that there's, you know, Japan is moving to a meritocracy and that, you know, a 10% of the population is no longer ruling the rest of the 90. Or you could be lamenting old traditions that are dying, old ways of life. I mean, it just depends on your perspective, I guess, or your position in society, which is good, which is bad. And you can have 1920s flappers walking alongside geishas. Yeah, and have it be historically accurate. I wish I'd finished. Unfortunately, I got caught up with some uh, pre E three events, but I wish I had finished uh, Devil Summoner two because there's some con- there's some conflict. Like, well, the core conflict is between old ways and new ways, and I wish I can get into it some more. But I I don't just know how it ends. But I can bounce some ideas I'm having off of you guys when we get there about it. Mm-hmm. 
But you didn't say, but what about Rasputin? <laughs> well, is, don't, you, don't you have a cat following you around, giving you... Oh, yeah, uh, oh, the, the, the... yeah he, he's, he's your magical girl companion friend. He's your girl Friday, Goto. <laughs> Oh, that's yeah. a good he's thing. The, he's the Japanese reincarnation guy. of an earlier Raido Kuznoha, right? Yeah. Yeah, basically. And he's named after a Japanese god. Well, that that wouldn't inflate his self-importance at all. Well, I mean, did you play the uh, did you play the first Shin Megami Tensei? No. Uh, well, in the first Shin Megami Tensei, the prime minister of Japan was actually the avatar of a Japanese deity, and his name was Goto as well. And towards the beginning, you had a choice of killing him or killing Thor, or killing both. But okay, so there's there's a history to that name too. But yeah, and Goto not... basically is the voice of the is the voice of the character if you had one, right? <laughs> yeah, it, it's lot. I mean, that's what you get in a lot of games with silent protagonists. I mean, Dragon Quest Eight had um, Yangus, who had a similar um, yeah. position in the plot. Or it's not even a... like, go ahead, sorry. Oh, but yeah, and usually in the Mega Ten games, it's the heroine or protagonist girlfriend who fills in this role. Except the the main female character in Raido One ends up possessed and kind of crazy. So that wouldn't. But of course, it, you know, it starts like any other. A dame walks into your, walks into your detective agency looking for help. Both of the Rido games start like that. It's kind of yeah. funny. Well, so, sometimes dames just gotta come into the office. Oh yeah. But you I mean, know, it's funny that, that noir without it starting off with a woman walking into a mysterious woman walking into the office. But yeah, Goto, basically, he's like, hey, we should be doing this. Yeah, you can ask him questions. Here's what's going on in the investigation. Isn't that suspicious? I don't know. Yep. I named my character after myself. So he always calls you by your first name. So you have two names. You have your title, Kuzunoha the 14th, and then your actual name, like any true SMT. And, you know, it's sort of this casual. He's your best friend at the same time. No one knows that you can talk to him. You don't, you know, only devil summoners can hear their familiars talk. So it's, yeah. a, it's a good relationship. And at the end, when he... <laughs> It's, he it's launches silly. his face in the satellite and he And he dies though at the off. end. He gets sacrificed. Yep, and then he comes back. And he comes back and number two, like nothing happened. He's like, Hey, remember that time I blew up? That was crazy. <laughs> I, I, well, I'm when you're a not... ghost cat, you just kinda walk off getting lunched into space. Yeah. No, but they I'm made not, it like I'm, such an I'm, emotional I'm, experience. Yeah. Like even the end credits, you know, everyone's sort of walking across this blue field and you you know, you see everyone and you're sort of sad about this. And then literally within like five less than five minutes of the game opening, probably like two minutes, he's like, Hey, remember me? I'm your buddy. Wasn't that weird what happened two years ago? I just crazy. Oh, you don't remember me? And then it's just, <laughs> it's and, Oh, flashback. Did, did, did you guys ever watch the parody movie Loaded Weapon One? No. Well, it had um, well, it was a parody of um, Lethal Weapon, but this one um, side character gets shot bits, and then about five ten minutes later, he shows up again, and the one the main character says, "Didn't you die?" And his response is, "I thought this was the sequel." Pretty much that. Yeah. The sequel's interesting for a number. Of course, we keep on teasing it, but I'm still waiting for you to tell me. But so lay some Rasputin on me. Well, besides the fact that Rasputin is completely insane and hilariously insane to the and point an where... And an android for some reason. Oh, I mean, how else do you think he was so hard to kill? <laughs> I mean, considering he's appearing, what, how many years... Over a decade after he was shot, stabbed, poisoned, drowned, and decapitated. Um, and he's still here. So, I mean, he's either a robot or he's just... Who knows? <laughs> first, my favorite he's part Rasputin. Was, he's a wizard. Yeah. You don't well, meddle my, in their affairs. My favorite part, though, is the way he find it, the way he bound his demons. Oh, I mean, and, and and nesting dolls. Yep, and the matryoshkas, the little matryoshkas with the vampire fangs and the red eyes. That was real. It's nice touch. It really was. Yeah, he he had style. 
And I remember the big church battle in the first Rido game. Do you remember that? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I remember that's the scene in... Um, as it's getting reused again in Devil Summoner 2 for similar purposes. <laughs> and he, yeah, he blows the pews all over the place and he starts summoning demons and giant matryoshkas. And then he starts letting off magical nukes. Yeah, that was a fun battle. Hmm. Okay. So, the million dollar question. Actually, it's more like a $70 question. Is it worth $70? Whoa. I, are you serious? You can't pick it up for 20 bucks on Amazon? Well, you can check Amazon, but I'm looking I'm, I'm, at... Everything, uh, it seems like all these old SMT games have recently been reprinted. Well, but this is a PlayStation 2. I'm doubting it's recently been reprinted. Because I saw Devil Summoner 2 for $25 on Amazon New. Mm, yeah, $26. Well, that's versus King Ab- Abaddon? No, that's it, the wrong one. $28.50, PlayStation 2, brand I'm new. I think like 15 bucks over here, but... Um, it's an it's. I think it's an interesting experience. It's it's fun. It's definitely. I'd go to like I'd go to forty fifty for it. Yeah, less than thirty. Why not? Mm-hmm. Like I'd go as high as forty. Not if for new anyhow. I, I think it's it's an especially hit hit home if you have a love of Japanese culture. I'm not like pop culture or like anime necessarily, but like of Japanese history and uh, the culture. You know, cultural. All the rich histories and traditions and folklore of Japan, all the you know, just all of that culture. If you actually care about that stuff, sort of see that in a game in a setting, you're, you're not going to see that anywhere else outside of maybe like Shogun Two, Total War. I mean, the you know, Follow the Samurai. It's just a time period in a setting that's well, been touched upon so so rarely in games, especially games that actually come out here in North America. And at the same time, if you're a fan of noir and fantasy mashups, also worth a look. Hey, 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 don't you hate Shadowrun, Mr. Noir Fantasy Mashups? I like, yeah, I love the Dresden Files, man. I love, I hate cyberpunk fantasy because Shadowrun does it terrible. Okay, fair enough. I've elucidated my points as to why. (laughs) There are other reasons why Shadowrun is terrible. I will get into them eventually. The here Raido is like Dresden Files meets Samurai period. Yeah, I mean, it's just... It is a good use of the supernatural, of the supernatural in investigation, and it plays on the old versus new existence of the setting. Thematic synchronization and synergy. Imagine that in a fantasy mashup. Well, Kazuma Kaneko. I'm surprised he doesn't have like a doctorate in uh, in folklore because he has a passion and a, and a clear love and a respect the character for these characters i mean these character model these uh you say demons but really i think the more appropriate word would be the japanese word kami sort of just these these spirits or these great beings and, mm-hmm. and you really just have a love and appreciation of those kind of things and even if he's not even a, even if it wasn't directly on this game he's definitely passed it on to his team and sort of like a core philosophy of the mega 10 team well i i think he's definitely picking even even if he's not you know the lead he's picking people for projects that he would probably be just as happy doing himself. Yeah. Like, he's picking people for good reasons. Yeah, you don't work with Kaneko those, like, for that many years and not, under, and not have a love for other people's cultures and traditions and beliefs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And at this point, the Megaten series is, is its own institution, so that helps keep things together. I mean, you can't go too far outside of the core philosophy before you, everyone starts complaining. Or gives you, or makes you stop calling it Megaten and Pretty much, yeah. Keeps you and just then just lets you finish the game. <laughs> so, uh, if if we move on to Double Summoner Two at this point, uh, let me just talk about some gameplay things and maybe some th- before you guys get into the story. Give me a quick warning because I'm so close to the end. Do so you want to 
So if we're done with that, let's uh, pause for a brief moment, and we'll be right back to talk about the next one. Cool, cool. returned we're ready to talk about shim this 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 title's even i swear it's longer shimigami tensei devil summoner to raduk big kahuna versus king abaddon that's totally two syllables shorter oh my gosh that's so freaking long i almost i almost passed out just saying it all in one breath to be fair though to be fair that's only for north america and and japan they didn't feel the need to add smt from it in japan it's just one symbol boom <laughs> It's like Prince, the Prince of video games. Shucks, this was uh, this was developed it's and published. Yeah, published by Atlas, released in North America on May twelfth, two thousand eight. Again, for the PlayStation Two system, a single-player action RPG experience where you hit circle, circle, circle. Not only that, though, if you <laughs> if you bought the first run of the game from Atlas in North America, you got a Raiho plushie. And if you aren't familiar with Raiho, Raiho is a uh, is you know the the mascot of Atlas in all the Mega Ten games is uh, Jack Frost, and this Jack Frost has been is apparently smitten with uh, Raido Kuzunaha, so he dresses up like him. He has a little cap, he's got the little cape, and he's like Raiho. one of the yeah, and he's one of the little fun monsters you you encounter in both games. Can could not get those in Canada. It cannot be a Mega Ten game without some version of Jack Jack Frost in there. Yeah, but this we get a special Jack Frost of sideburns. Oh yeah, the guy sideburns. Go to guy style sideburns give you powers. It's a fact. Yeah, you, you know, we should have just said as soon as we got this podcast started, we should have just said sideburns and just turned it off and walked away. <laughs> uh, that'll be the name of the show tonight. Sideburns. Mic drop. Oh, Mike. Mike will so call it sideburns too. That's what Mike does. That, that so number two. Mike will listen. So I'm curious, how long ago did you guys uh, play Devil Summoner two? I had it finished before um, before it was released in America. I know that. I played the tutorial this afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, I looked at the box art. Import impression years ago. Oh, it's interesting. Scott's almost wife, Nick's fan of the show, friend of mine. Um, we were talking one time, and we sort of mentioned that we had this huge backlog, and Devil Summoner 2 sort of sitting at the top of it. And I mentioned that I guess she was on the RPG cast at the time. Because as soon as I mentioned that, I got a lot of responses on Twitter. Like, hey, you should start playing that game. You can start talking about the RPG cast. Start playing that game. So, I, like, maybe after the fifth time someone asked me about that, I said, okay, it's time to finally dive into that. And interestingly enough, there's been, like, a mini RPG backtrack. If you listen to, like, a few of the most recent RPG casts, I, I, <laughs> because it's the only game I've been playing, I've had the sort of giving me the luxury of doing, like, 40-minute, like, sort of, like, thought experiments on just certain aspects of the game. I'll try to condense those to like five seconds each or something. No, no. We, we in fact, need to retool this entire show. We need to rip off the spoiler warning formula and we will have extended, you know, full playthroughs with extended repetitive rants about specific elements of the game. Well, it's, it's, it's an interesting game. I mean, it's in, in – it, I'm so con- – like, remember that conflict we talked about, sort of the conflict between modern and old and – I mean, the modern and the old ways. And, and it, <laughs> this game is sort of like that personified. It's, 
it almost feels like cheap cash in in that they reuse so many of the old assets, bring back so many of the old characters. Just there, I, there are barely any new monster models. Well, half those monster models were reused from different from other <laughs> PS2 SMGs. Yeah. Anyhow, at least for the first one, though, they were um, the entire mo- the designs were reused, but they were 3D models for the first time, and for a lot of them, true. But it's interesting though, because and and some of the, and some of the demons in Rido hadn't been seen since Soul um, since Soul Hackers in '99. Yeah. It seems like so. there's even less variety this time around because they just recycled a lot of the same stuff. But it also gave them the opportunity to expand in new areas, like like uh, that Suki got the village, the village of the, the the ninja, wait the bug ninjas, which is just ridiculous. It's weird though. I don't know how to feel about this. I, I'm I'm liking it at the same time, but there are a lot of it that I just. I find questionable or just sort of pointless. I, I, I want to see where it's going. I'm sure, Michael, you know where it's mm-hmm. going at the end. You being it, or if you even remember. But like, I'm at this point now. In the well, story I remember where... the final boss, and it's kind of freaky, and it took me an hour and a half to beat. So, <laughs> like, it's this weird thing where, like, well, gameplay wise, they fixed a lot of little things. A lot of little things that sort of drove you crazy in the first game had been fixed and streamed. So, from there are these things called Dragon Caves, which are basically save points whenever you're in a dungeon or in the overworld and you're not like back at your home base, the detective agency. And from these Dragon Caves, you can. <laughs> Victor magically invents a Tesseract machine that can sort of opens a quantum singularity so you can go to his laboratory and fuse demons from anywhere. And it sounds like a small little thing, but that sort of just completely changes the way you play the game. Because in the first one, you get a few demons, you think, oh, I should probably save one slot in case I get a demon. I'm like, oh, great, I got a great demon. I can't wait to get back to town. <laughs> like, like you would, you would hours, stop like, investigating to go back to town to fuse two more guys. Exactly. So you can have the slot open so that when you hit the next area and find a cool new demon. Oh, but one of the bigger, one of the biggest changes, though, had to do with magic. Because in the first game, each of the demons had its own magic. Um, it had its own MP meter. Yeah, but, um, but in the second game, every spell in the game was fueled directly out of Raido's Magatama supply, his mag supply, which is what he used for to compel demons, to bribe demons, and everything else. And he also got tons of it whenever he, he um, whacked something down with an elemental weakness and just started wailing on it. Well, I'd say even bigger than that change is the fact that you can actually have two demons in battle now. I don't know. I mean, the, the change in magic points meant that you, I mean, was pretty big in itself. Because I remember in the first game, you had you had to have, like, multiple demons that had the healing spells on them because you were basically using uh, them like that's healing batteries. But in this game, you could just have one healing demon and you do an... And, I mean, yeah, you could run out of mag, but you could also replenish it pretty easily by using certain tactics in battle. Yeah, it was everything. It just seems like a lot of stuff to streamline. So you don't have to carry around that one healer in that one spot, or make sure they have enough M- MP. You don't have to like it, it, was, it was the worst situations in the first ones where you had like multiple demons who were weak to multiple things. Yeah. So I need to deal with these three first. Okay, switch out, and I need to deal with this one. Okay, switch back out. Another one came in. I need to go to that one. So you can have like sort of split the duties in half: one guy to fight and one to heal. Or it was even worse. I'm about to die. Switch the guy in who's going to heal me. Okay, heal me. Okay, switch back out. <laughs> Come in the next guy. But like that, uh, you're right. The 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 magnetite. Cha- I mean, the magatama, whatever you called it, the magic change. Uh, two demons at the same time, and the fact that I can actually fuse more often meant I'm I'm making more demons. Um, trying more things on. I'm being more experimental. I'm carrying more stuff forward. Oh, and no more Pokemon. You're actually negotiating with demons now. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, did you ever get in, or have you gotten any of the interesting conversations between some of the demons? <laughs> yeah, it was interesting. I had um, the, 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 what was it, Shiva's Mount, Nandi, and I talked to, like, apparently, what was it, Gozuki, uh, some, some Japanese cow demon, <laughs> and, like, Nandi starts insulting Gozuki, like, who do you think you are? You're some low-rent cow. Like, who are you calling a low-rent cow? Like, don't you know who I am? It was just this weird little back and forth. Or like, um, Lilum, like sort of like one of the if, Yeah. Also, if you get if you get both, or I mean, the like um, the first two bosses that Rasputin summons in the first game, <laughs> if you get them as demon allies, or get one of them as a demon ally in the second game, and then go up against the other one, they will actually have a conversation about the bad old days when Rasputin was the boss, and man, what a putz he was, and things like that. Yeah, they're fun. I mean. It, I sort of stumbled on it by accident, and it was it was a nice surprise. I mean, yeah, they're mostly just like Easter eggs, but they're really funny when you hit one. So overall, I think the game plays better in a lot of ways, but story-wise, I think it's sort of uh, lacking. A little weaker, yeah. Well, you, weaker. before the cut, you were talking about fetch questing and multi-part MacGuffins, and I'm like, starting to tune out a little. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, that's kind of par for the course. It's a JRPG. Yeah, I realize that, but... The, think, the the first game made me feel a bit like a detective with demon mad powers. I like that, that I change think of pace. Your demons a lot less. Maybe the the one demon I continuously used was a uh, mind read. They sort of like yeah. really fell off on that part. Like that, yeah, I, I think they go ahead. Yeah, that's something I remember too. Is the amount of demon use in investigation was it just kind of dropped off? You remember how we were talking earlier about how the stuff that we liked about Devil Summoner was uh was sort of the stuff that was in the combat. Well, apparently they, they heard the criticism about the combat for the second game, and they fixed all the combat problems, but they didn't realize that the part that people actually liked were the investigations. So instead of like strengthening the investigations, they weakened that part and made the combat better. But I was never there for the combat, so great, I have better combat and crappier investigations when what I'm here for is the investigations. Mm-hmm. But I guess to sort of make up for that, to sort of make up for that fact, they, uh, you now have case files, which are these like, sort of side missions. But to be honest, like only ha- most of those were like, get this item. Do you have this item? Good. Here's a thing. Or uh, take a pretty photo. Yeah, it, it, it's interesting. I, I don't know. I, I definitely think I had a lot more of this. I mean, I, I like not being frustrated with the combat. I like being able to fuse demons more often. I like more frequent save points. But I also just would have liked if they would have got rid of I'm, I'm disappointed with the, com- with, with the sort of the state of demon affairs. Like you have a skill demon now who sort of you can use to transform into uh, other characters, but it's like used twice in the game. It's almost pointless mm-hmm. to have it. I think I've used cooldown once and I've been playing for like 40 hours. You know, cooldown, in the first game, I used to use cooldown to freeze rivers or like cooldown oh. a hot tempered guy. I had to use yeah. it twice. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And story wise, it's bizarre. It's a. Uh, so basically, yeah, is is the that one character's name still Dan? Yeah. Okay, so they didn't change his name. Okay. No, this is as obtuse as it possibly can be. If you don't have a degree in Japan in Japanese studies, get about it. <laughs> yeah, but this whole game revolves around luck. There's this whole new luck mechanic, like random status effects. You have to have luck demons. There's a roulette wheel of bad luck, and probably some, my, some the, the first boss, I, oh, <laughs> some of the first bosses that you meet are are gods of poverty. Yeah, that try to st- um, that are draining your luck. Actually, I, m- I remember that was a fun battle. He dropped a giant coin on the field, and you have to find the right spot to fall through the hole in the coin. <laughs> yeah, it, it's like they got the they got the criticism all, but they uh, yeah the, the battles are more interesting. They are, and the luck mechanic was annoying for the first like ten hours. 
was just always like sort of getting in my way or was always giving me problems or it sucked like basically you're required to have this bad luck for like maybe a good five or six hours maybe ten and mm-hmm. it's just things aren't going your way until you can finally hit like this mechanic where you have luck locusts sort of like revolves around the story revolves around luck locusts and then once you can actually have them I never thought about luck again for the rest of the game yeah I mean that part was kind of interesting having the the small the tiny demonic bugs that could actually drain good fortune from people but the story is hinges on that fact so much so. Mm-hmm. And I, I think to its detriment at times. Oh, and I think the worst part, this is my big pet peeve, is that when you get into a new chapter after like a after chapter three, you start having to fight fiends, like these very like basically the four horsemen of the apocalypse and yeah, a few others. At least you can actually talk your way out of those battles. And by talk you mean sacrifice one of your demons, whichever one he demands. Yeah, but that's better than the alternative. Yeah, it's like basically extortion. Like every now and then, like whenever there's a new moon, there's a chance of these fe- these fiends to appear, and they're gonna show up. And it's like, here you go. Here's a boss battle. Whether you're ready for it or not, deal with. It. You don't want to fight? Give me your best demon. I want his life. <laughs> it's like great, thanks. That's exactly what I want in this game. Full of random battles and like long like checkpoint. Like you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But the story, like, so basically, Dame walks in, right? Uh, you want, she wants you to find some guy. This guy is, ter- like, tied to some luck locust ring. Long story short, there's this village of ninja bug, bug ninjas, who, like, <laughs> Fukoshi, ninjas who use bugs in their assassinations. And there's an entire layer, like, this entire other society that lives underneath their village. And to appease the people who live underneath the village, they have to sacrifice one of their daughters to these people so that they can collectively rape her and uh, give birth to more of them. It's just like... Very very Lovecraftian in some of these parts. Yeah. But it also makes you wonder why you're going along with this stuff. I know. Just, I mean, just replace bug guys with deep ones and you have, like, the uh, Innsmouth horror or whatever. You have the situation... Shadow over Innsmouth. The deep ones all have... Shadow over Innsmouth. I was was confusing that with the Dunwich horror. Yeah. Well, there, there's like usually, you know, that, that's Lovecraft story, you know, place, adjective describing place. <laughs> yeah, Lovecraft story. Yeah. So the I Eld- know, I think so like, here we have the Eldritch Grasshoppers. Yeah. I'd say my biggest problem with the story is that if a lot of it feels like I don't know why I'm taking part in any of this. Like, it makes no sense to me. Like, I understand why I need to stop Dan, because his actions to try to save his sister from being sacrificed to these monsters to be collective, you know, to be... <laughs> the womb for the species is you know it's pretty like i would you know i i do that too but in his but his methods for doing so is dooming the rest of the capital and probably the world so i need to stop him no matter what but i just don't get this whole thing like like really we need to prop up like bug ninja people their way of life is so important that we, they need to sacrifice women like every couple of years to them so they can continue to have bugs to kill people with bugs it's like really forget it jake it's chinatown I think that's pretty much this game in a nutshell. There's that the, the little phrase you gave to me that you just said. That's what the game says to you every five minutes. Like, why am I taking part in this disgusting thing? It's Chinatown. What, what, what's going on? Chinatown. Don't worry about it. At a certain point, I'm like, F Chinatown. I'm leaving. I don't want to be here no more. <laughs> well, to quote a different noir movie, that's just like your opinion, man. <laughs> it's interesting, though. I mean, what, what's your take on the story? I'd like to hear your perspective on it. Well, again, I'm really, really early on, so I'm so I've gotten to the dame. All right, so you haven't got to the questionable parts yet. So I, I really haven't seen the questionable parts, and I'm like, I'm usually okay with a question. I'm not. I'm, like, it's not that I'm morally outraged. I, it's just at the point where I'm like, what? Really? Like you feel like you're doing it because the game says so, as opposed yeah. to any real reason. 
Pretty much. And like everyone says, everyone's like, oh, this is so sad and tragic that we have to do this. Like everyone is remorseful that we're, that we're engaging in this practice of sacrificing like the women of our village, these people. And in like, listen, let's make no bones about it. These women are getting collectively gang raped. You know what I mean? To, 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 to sort of be like the womb for this entire species. And like, and everyone's like, oh, doesn't it suck? Oh, it's so bad. I feel so, oh, I can't believe it. And you and you just sit there and like, do we need bug ninjas? I mean, I'm a detective with demons. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm trying to say. The whole time, I'm like, really? We can we really think need... around this? I've never heard we of have, I've never there heard with our clan of detective demon guys. Do we and need bug ninjas? I was watching too much Common Rider when they wrote this scenario. The bug ninjas work for the same people that we work as uh, Devil Summers. So it's like, really? We don't need the bug ninjas. Except one of them's going completely renegade, and he's trying to jumpstart the apocalypse because he thinks it'll give him some sort of. Or help him change destiny in some way. I can't remember quite. How no, works. no. Why he wants to be the bug lord? The Don wants to be the thing is because mm-hmm. it's because he believes that if he's the god of the bugs, then the people underneath the village will have to listen to him. And if they listen to him, then they'll give him bug ninjas to the village, and he doesn't have to sacrifice his sister, so he can have his cake and eat it too. But the whole time I'm thinking like, oh, why do we need bug ninjas to begin with? <laughs> It's so ridiculous. Because they're because they're awesome or dangerous or I don't know. They're none of those things. They're neither awesome nor dangerous. <laughs> Come on, the bug ninjas are the lamest ones on Naruto. They're so bad. They're so mm-hmm. bad. It's so bad. Like I said, I'm not morally outraged. I'm just like really in this this mode where like like why do we need to why <laughs> the whole time I'm just saying. Why? Oh, like, sort of like me with Fallout Three. Kind of, I, I can understand that, but so Michael, you actually beat it. What's your what's your take on this story? I, I'm, I'm sure it must be going somewhere at the end where it's like this big redemption or something. Or oh. We understand. Well, the in, the ending of Rido Two makes a bit more sense in context than the end of Rido One, so I'll give it that <laughs> much. Um, let's just say that um, this what's how how would I describe the final boss? Elder God comes to mind. Um, it, it's it. Um, Basically, Dan is being used as a cat's paw by the entity that is I'm not at, shocked. The, at, not yeah, shocked. at the heart of the entire bug thing, where the entire, I think, okay, I'm, I'm remembering this from several years ago in a different language, so bear with me. Don't give me too much, though, but give me a little hint, a little taste. It's like, it's like the entire bug ninja thing was kind of concocted as a way of helping to keep this entity bound. King, is it King Abaddon? Who is the, the thing that's being bound well, up by the yeah. bug men? Well, his name is in the title, you know. <laughs> so I'm, I'm okay. Not a huge leap in logic there. Okay, so wait. So we were actually sacrificing our... So they're actually sacrificing the women to keep yeah. this thing bound? Yeah. Or just... Like it. I mean, when, more... you first, when you first meet the final... Bo- or when you get to the final form of the final boss, it's a three-section battle, which is kind of nasty. The final section is this orb that is covered in... Or it's... It's got a like a face mask on the front of it, covering the front, but the mask is made out of humans, human bodies, mm-hmm. and it just it tries to talk. It looks like those like those creepy hand faces in Labyrinth, but made with human corpses. Mm. Yeah. So, um, and that that, one, a, that guy's a pain in the butt. So I'm curious, Mike, Mike, when you were playing through this, did you have any of the same thoughts I'm having? Like, why are we? Who cares? Or something? I, I, had, I had that those thoughts a few times. It's like, okay, bugs. Okay, common rider clones. Okay, okay, okay. You know, I liked I liked the Amatsugami and Kanitsugami thing in the first game better. But the, <laughs> is, the, is the payoff worth it? I mean, if I spend another like twenty hours going through this, is the payoff like story wise worth it? 
Well, instead, the, I mean, I like the ending for the second one better than the ending for the first one. But just because it's more cohesive, it actually follows, right? It's not, it's yeah. not a non sequitur like the last one was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm, I'm going to go through it. I'm going to stay through it. I mean, but it's, it's Megaton. I mean, your mileage may vary is kind of like the motto of the entire series. Yeah, well, as well, it seems like we don't have to kill Climate Tower to kill God this time. So I don't know. Why not? Something new. It was just weird, though. I mean, it's just sort of this feeling I get. Like, everyone is so sad about this bug thing. Like, everyone is so lamentful. And I'm just thinking, let's just go have ice cream or something. Why do we even involve in this stuff? Let's get some sea salt-flavored ice cream. Basically, it'd be more fun than this. <laughs> it was just ridiculous. Like, there's there's so many little moments. I don't know. It's just a whole overall freaking story. Like, I mean, we were talking about this, but I think before, during the break, about how this game relies so heavily on... The apocalypse, um, the Book of Revelations, and the apocalypse, and how like the the door to hell basically is in the in the backwoods of Japan. But I, they had so much better things to pull from. I think, like like. I uh, mean, if you could have the hell mouth in the small town in California, I guess you can have it in the backwoods of Japan too. And also Cleveland. Well, that's I just. Guess. I guess. Hmm? Never mind. Okay. So, I don't know. I think I'm a little down on this one just from my experience so far. Hopefully, the end will redeem it for me somewhat. And like, mm-hmm. some people confuse my myself for moral outrage. It's just more like ambivalence and confusion on why I want it, you know. And the gameplay, well, like I said, the, the combat is more interesting, but I'm not sure I'm here for the combat. I'm here for all the other things. So, it's mm-hmm. sort of like imagine playing, enjoying Persona 3, and when you go going on to Persona 4, you're expecting better relationships. And bet you know a more dynamic relationship. Just feed her, Shirley. I'm on the. Sorry. <laughs> and don't call me Shirley. <laughs> so, like, so you go to Persona Four, and you expect better, you know, more relationships, more conversation, more all that stuff, and instead you get like longer dungeons. And you know, shallower relationships. Pretty much, and that's how I feel like with Double Summoner Two. I got better, longer. I got more, more dungeons and more weapon types. Or so they they fixed the they fixed the things people complained about, but kind of had to jettison the stuff that was cool. Two Pretty steps much. forward, one step back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sounds about normal. I don't know. Like I, I'm still gonna play through this. Like it's still a setting that it's. I'm not gonna get to experience probably in another game for who knows how Some long. Time. So I'm still gonna go through it. Um, some of the characters, I think, like they're, they're. I don't know if they came across like this in, in, in Japanese, but their writing is so stilted. Like, I would like. Uh, who's the other Kuzanoha? Who is actually? Yes. He's not a Kuzanoha. He's a double summoner. He's like he has a different uh, title. Garen. Yeah. Is he, I, I is, remember him, and he's he's got the Dao, He's got the uh, Chinese demon Dao Da as his family's personal sponsor. I think so, and he also has like the the little summoner apprentice, the half Russian girl. Yep. Do they, you know, are they always talking like, it's my conjecture that given this current situation and the approximate height of the blah, blah, blah. They talk like that in Japanese. They do? Yeah. I mean, I never, I never played these in English, so I, I can only guess how they translated it. Oh, it, it's, I'm, it might have worked in Japanese. It just falls flat English. It's just so awkward. So awkward. But yes, so I don't know. Is there anything left to say? I mean, can we move on to the, the last the last little bit of the Raido Kuzunoha story? I don't see why not. All right. So apparently you were telling me, you blew my mind. There's an entire third chapter of this story, but in manga form. Yep, I, I remember hearing something years ago that they'd originally planned a trilogy. I cannot confirm or deny this, but they do have a third story. It was uh, Raido Kuzunoha versus the Lonely Spirit. Mm-hmm. And I've seen this on the shelves. I've um, It's actually available free um, through, I think, Dengeki. 
online. You can just read the e-manga version, or um, I'm just probably one of these days I'm going to track it down in a used manga store around here and just buy the entire series. Killing manga. You used manga sales. Killing publishing in Japan. It hasn't killed it yet. It's been going on for like 30 years. I know. So since I'm probably it's never going to read this, can you give like me a quick little... Eight, uh, it's not like video game rental in this country. Bleh. Okay. Could you give me a quick little rundown? Um, well, you I, read it, right? I only read, the, only read part of the first volume, which oddly enough starts off with the dame walks into the office. <sighs> All right. It was cute the first time. It was a nice... The second time, it was like, oh, okay. Well. Uh, technically, I think it starts with a massive demon fight, and then the dame walks into the office <laughs> later on. But... The third time, you guys are just getting lazy. <laughs> oh, no. I mean, how many times did the hard-boiled detective book start the same way? Mm, part, I don't uh, know. That's not part of it is kind of the typical of the call formula. to adventure. Yeah. I mean, it's it's like the the five heroes meet in a po- in a bar or meet in a pub. There we go. Yeah, but the next time you want to meet at like the carnival or something. Yeah. Or you just want to be start kicking in that door. Oh, that's a nice way to do it. I I or always if I'm running they, fantasy, I start with them kicking in the door on the last room of the dungeon. Could you that imagine presumably, that it's like you start the invest the investigation midway through, and as you're going through, you're catching up to him. That would be interesting. Actually, I think that's part of how that's kind of how they started the original Devil Summoner game. Hmm. Is um, in that one, I mean, you know, I mean, like you always have the character's official name, and then you have the player name. Yeah. And, and sometimes they keep it completely separate, and sometimes they don't. In the original Devil Summoner, if I haven't played it, I'm just remembering bits of story here, but I think the main character accidentally gets soul-swapped with Kuzunoha Raido's grandson. And so he's, you're, you're kind of pushed into the middle of this demon investigation, and you're in somebody else's body, and you have no idea what the hell's going on. Hmm. Yeah. So is the manga actually good? It looked pretty good. I mean, right. I need to track down the rest of it. Um, let's see. There's six volume action women. Well, never mind. Never mind. Did I just link you guys to a fan translation? Yes, I did. You may have, yes. Yes, okay. So, well, there's a, at least one fan translation up to chapter six. Mm-hmm. If you'd like to check it out sometime. I will say, I will give you guys a little bit of I news. I know a manga, and you'll probably find it, first thing. You guys want to hear something interesting that was sort of blew my mind a couple of days ago? That, okay, so uh, a popular, uh, you know, Bandai, they do, they make a lot of action figures, and they have this D-Arts line of yeah. like, yeah. high-quality, high-posable stuff. Well, just a month ago, maybe two, uh, they announced that they're actually making a Raido Kusunaha action figure. Cool. Highly detailed, looks really cool, has a little Goto on his side. So, you know, apparently this it really is a beloved series. I mean, the ones that got ignored and no one liked wouldn't be well, getting Well, like uh, Bandai D-Arts tends to go after things that are about maybe... You know, five or six years old, anyhow. So they can get the licensing rights on the cheap. Well, they can get the licensing rights on the cheap, and at that point, you can kind of cash in on a little bit of nostalgia because the D arts are more, slightly more expensive. Yeah. So you can, so you get a bit of nostalgia money, but at the same time, you're like, okay, this is something that will probably sell rather than investing in a huge production run of something that's new that may flop. Oh, I'm interested in the figure. Like, as a fan of the of the the character myself, is is the arts line any good? Uh, The the arts are well. It's Bandai, so that alone is kind of a good is a plus right there. Yeah. They're hard to top in terms of toy companies, but yeah, the D arts line is very solid. All right. I was a little skeptical because I I do know the you said hard to top, but uh, like I've been interested in a few figures from the company actually does top them like one of the like a uh, good smile company and their figma lines yeah the, the figmas and e- even uh what play arts kai is better but no, no play play arts arts kai is garbage <laughs> eh. 
but yeah, interesting. So there's some still some love. You know, we've got manga series, you've got like highly posable action figures that probably cost like sixty dollars after you're done importing it. Uh, yeah, it's it's I I, know, I I enjoyed it overall. I'm not loving the investigation I'm doing right now. I think the first game was probably better in a lot of respects. Actually, the Dearts Charizard just got announced, and that thing looks badass. Um, if you look, there's a guy just Google Pixel Dan. He does a full-on review. Pixel Dan's pretty good for toy reviews. And he and if you're looking at Dearts, they've done a bunch of personas, persona stuff lately. Oh, but if you're gonna go persona, Figma, the Figma persona ones are the best. Uh, I don't know. I'm looking at the Izanagi, and that looks sweet. Well, Dearts, their their joints tend to break. They're not as movable, and they don't come with stands and as many accessories. And this is not the action figure podcast. <laughs> <laughs> when did we become TomoCast? I don't know. <laughs> hey, to be fair, though, we were talking about – we were on topic when I mentioned the, the action figure. It's okay. We get off track a lot on the back track. It's like, oh, right. it's like in the middle of our name or something. I will that, say, though, this – last thing, though, for proof that the Figma line is amazing, check out their Metroid figure, the, their Samus figure in armor. But yeah. yes. So so uh, it was interesting. So this one – just just – we're only covering the two sort of Taisho Detective Double Summoner games. We're not touching on the originals. So let's let's just briefly touch on the originals. Oh, I'm just wondering for myself because I don't honestly don't know that much about them. I came in. That's I why I want to touch on it. We, we can always tag them for a later episode too for more. Well, oh, I'm sure you can get people to actually finish them by that point, right? Don't you yeah. own it? Uh, well, Sam's yeah, apparently everyone just bought it, it right? I, I've the second one, but I've never played the first one. I just know bits and pieces of story, and I also know that the that the Kuzunoha Detective Agency makes an appearance in Persona Two. Mm. And uh, I think call me crazy, but the, it was just recently re-released on the 3DS, right? Yes. yes. Okay. That's the second one. Yeah, I, I, w- I was in the middle of my second attempt at finishing the um, PlayStation version when it got announced for 3DS. It's like, okay, cool. Okay, this one goes off back on the shelf. I'm going to wait for three four months. Hmm. Cool. Well, I'm telling you, it's it's definitely uh, just kind of like it's with its predecessor. 3DS is certainly sizing up to take the takes uh, maybe take the lead here in these JRPG here, just mm. in the whole JRPG realm. Just getting a lot of good games on it. All right. Is that game first person? I mean, just, is the whole thing first person? Hmm. Um, what Soul Hackers? Yeah, yeah. The, oh. uh, it plays a lot like a, one of the older Mega Ten games. So, like a sort of dungeon crawler in a lot of, in a lot of ways. Yep. I mean, right. I mean, like I said way towards the beginning, the, the original Devil Summoner games were more experimental on the story side, trying for the more focused detective-style story right. um, than uh, anything to do with gameplay. So, um, so it's, it's a much more traditional Mega Ten game. It was the Rido games that they decided to do something really weird with the gameplay instead. So, so I'm just curious, everyone, would we want to see more Rido in the future? I mean, uh, Rido the 14th in the future, or maybe just move on? Is that story um, been told? Well, I'd almost I, like to see like Rido the 17th in the post-war era. Yeah. Mm. Or, um, or for that matter, since we've only, I mean, there were supposed to be five Guardian families in mm-hmm. Japan. The the Kuzunohas were one. The Gerin or whatever they were that were in the second game, that was another one. But there are three other families, supposedly, in the in Japan. So it'd be kind of interesting to see, like, a different time period with a different set of protagonists. You know, I, I, yeah, I agree. I, I feel like the, the trap that a lot of people get into is they think that, you know, this is their new bread and butter, this time period, we have to stay here. But instead of looking at it as, like, an opportunity for this great anthology series where each time they need to explore new eras, new ideas, we, new conflicts... Like, like you said, they could do the post-war reconstruction period. That would be they, really interesting. Like an infusion of Western culture and uh, yak- I mean, the rise of the Yakuza families. Even crazier, they could do the Bakumatsu period. 
Yeah. Refresh me. That was uh, the Bakamatsu is the uh, the time at the very end of the Tokugawa shogunate when oh, right. clans were mobilizing um, all these Machiavellian plots to try and get more power to take advantage of the sudden intrusion of the foreigner the, the Europeans into Japan and just basically to completely overthrow the entire social order. So, hmm. yep. Actually, um, did you ever read um, Gintama? That was the Bakamatsu Mira. Matsuura in the middle was, of an alien invasion, right? Yeah, yeah, that was Bakamatsu. That was the Bakamatsu. If the foreign devils were actually aliens, so, so yeah, it can get it could get really weird, really fast with something like that, or for that matter, the uh, like. Can you imagine doing something like this um, during the height of Nobunaga's reign? Well, getting back to the Bakamatsu, it might be cool to do kind of almost an American god setup where you have. You know, supernatural—not just foreign politics, but foreign supernatural entities moving in. Yep. You know, it'd be interesting. Just my personal thing is like, well, let's just move it out of Japan. I think it'd be interesting if, like, maybe even a modern setting. He's an overseas student in New York or something, <laughs> just sort of on other people's turf, but still doing devil summoning something, stuff. Something besides the middle of the Antarctic. Yeah. Yeah. Not not the Antarctic. No, no. Who wants to go on that strange journey? <laughs> yeah. Let's go to Paris. That would be that interesting. Be Can you imagine just like a fish out of water tale where the where someone who's like he was a pro in his own homeland or his ancestors were and now he has to learn it oh, from a whole Paris. new perspective. Have you ever heard of Paris syndrome? No. Paris syndrome is the Japanese term for um, the psychological shock of visiting Paris for the first time and realizing it's not like it, what you see in a, an Audrey Hepburn movie. I, I, we I, have I'm, a similar I'm, thing here. As these these Japanese co-eds will get this incredibly romantic image of the City of Lights from old Audrey Hepburn movies, and when they get there, the reality it's dirty and smelly and full of oh, North African street, street peddlers. So yeah, just the uh, it's just a shock, and they they actually have an emotional breakdown. We have the same thing here. It's called like Hollywood shock, where you, where everyone in LA knows that Hollywood is nice for two blocks, and the rest of it's uh, homeless people and bums and uh, yeah, pretty much like hookers. Yeah, don't go to Hollywood. <laughs> Interesting. More than you know, there's so much they can do, but at this point, I wonder if they actually will. It seems like they're making too much money after handheld titles and uh, Persona games to even well, care I mean, about this franchise anymore. Well, I think they could definitely bring you know, a, a fair amount of power to a portable take on this game. Yeah, honestly, I don't see this being like a PlayStation 4 or a Xbox Infinity title or whatever you want to call it. Uh, yeah, I can see that. It'd be DS or Vita all the way. Hmm, well, we see. Uh, I mean, heck, they went through the whole PlayStation 3 area without doing another Persona. I don't even think there was a Shin Megami Tensei game on a Persona 3. I don't know if we're going to see console... You know, outside of yeah, handheld yeah. deals anymore. You're right. I mean, if they're going to do a console one, they're going to do the big moneymaker persona, right? They're not going to do side series but, number five. That's, but still, I mean, like, Atlas's style has never really been for the really big blockbuster style. So that doesn't all, that really doesn't mesh with the PlayStation 3 very well. I mean, the closest I remember them ever having to a blockbuster was Persona 3, and they, they had some really cool commercials for that. Well, they tried with uh, Digital Devil Saga, you know, very much a cutscene based RPG. Big production values. No one cared. <laughs> well, and I think there's there's hopefully the some room for sort of B tier games to you know fully fleshed out, but decidedly not you know giant blockbuster affairs to hit the the digital markets on consoles now. And I hope well, that becomes a bigger niche for JRPGs than just doing portables. 
Well, as yeah. long as it's not an iOS game with microtransactions. iOS game, yeah. <laughs> Every time so you want to capture... Every time you want to capture a demon, you have to swipe your credit card through. No, we save it on no, file. That's, that's only if they get so, greed to develop for them. <laughs> you never know. Coming soon to an iOS near you. Shucks. Alrighty. Well, sounds like two pretty interesting games. Uh, glad they're uh, currently uh, a good, good thing. I, I'm glad I have them. They're just sitting at number 600 and 622 on my backlog, but I'll get to them one oh. day. Come on, man. Uh, what, pressure, what's the pressure. eBay report for what? What's sort of the eBay range for? It's a Devil's little bit cheaper. Two. It's a little cheaper than the first $26. one. Twenty-six dollars. Yeah. Okay. Unless you want it brand new in the package. Oh, with the figure with the with, plush doll. Yeah, there you go. Oh no, I, I got I got the special package one that came with uh, Shin Megami Tensei three, the version oh. that has the version that has Raido Kuzunoha instead of Dante as the as the special side character. The the recurring boss guy who was annoying to get as a party member. Yeah. Yeah, honestly, I would have much preferred that over Dante. Mm-hmm. Dante doesn't belong in that game. Dante doesn't belong in that game. See, if it had been, like, the actual Dante, I would have bought it. Like, if it was just some old Italian guy. <laughs> he doesn't speak Japanese or English. Doesn't speak Japanese. He just reads poems you to you dense, all day. Yeah, attacks you with a- dense allegories. Oh, goodness. Anyway, we're, we're, we're just... Well, okay, now we're getting off track. You're a far us. field. Yes, we're going we're gonna to take a break and recollect ourselves and, and wrap this up with the final lap. Turned, and this is the final lap where we just talk about what's new in retro gaming, what we're all doing, and uh, and I give you the next game off of my top ten list as we count down to our one hundredth episode. Um, a little bit of retro news. I, I know you know there's just there's just games that we are sitting on our edge of our seat, hoping that one day we'll get re-released and work with modern operating system or platforms. Like when we got System Shock, remember that, guys? That was awesome, right? That was, that was a great week. That was a very great week. I mean, I, I didn't I, sleep the first day. <laughs> I, I stopped, shed a tear. It was beautiful. It was gorgeous. It, this is this is what makes me proud to do shows like RPG Backtrack. This is what made that's what made proud for me to be a retro gamer. And I'd like to say we're we're at another one of those moments. Unfortunately, there's also times where I'm not so proud. When my good friends at GOG.com release a game like Death Trap Dungeon. Anybody play Death Trap Dungeon? 
No. It sounds like a death trap. It is. Don't play it, okay? We're done. Just just telling you, PlayStation 1, kind of a dungeon crawly thing. Not even sure if you'd really say it was an RPG, except for that it had kind of a medieval theme and stuff. But you're crawling through it. It was horrible. Don't buy it, guys. I tell you all the time to buy stuff on GOG. Don't do that one. It looks like a, you know, like, oh, wow, retro dungeon crawl. No, don't do it. Just stay away. You've been warned. Okay, I put it in my play. I think it was a PlayStation. I played whatever. I broke the disc. It's in pieces now. It's still in pieces. Then we're in a dump somewhere where it belongs. So I thought you downloaded it on GOG. Did you back in the day? Back in the day, just so you could back in. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna. That's (laughs) that's what I'm gonna do. That's real hatred. That's real hatred. Six dollars well spent. (laughs) Buy it on GOG. Burn it on a disc just so you can break it. And the best thing about GOG is you can burn on a disc over and over again. Just every year, go back and break that disc. So, so you're a big germ-free uh, proponent just like me. Yeah, you might say see the Square Enix as publisher. You might want to rush out. Don't do it. I, I don't even know how this fell in Square Enix's lap. It should have thrown it away. I think they bought Asylum for completely reasonable reasons. And that was not one. No, just This was the unreasonable reason that was in the bunch. Ah, oh, well. Okay, so we know not to do that. Uh, let's see. Our next show is going to be... I, you know, I don't even know where he comes up with these names at. Al S. Le Sol. How do you, he knows better than to put French or, or Portuguese or whatever language he's using there, because I can't even pronounce English words properly. Long story short... What's that? Can you write it out so one of us can read it? You know, long story short... Yeah, sure. Long story short, it's a bunch of Artanelico games that we're talking about next on the next show. Oh, I'm, I'm not even going to try to pronounce something from our, you know, yeah. Artanelico. Isn't that one where the girls take off the cl- I think I got that one. Yeah. Oh, that's, fr- that's French. Yeah, French, Portuguese, whatever. It all looks the same. Sun, sky? Okay, that, that does not quite make sense towards the end. Okay, yeah, you know... Yeah, but it, I'm sure it means something to Artanelico people. It, it probably yeah. does, yes. Either that or it's kind of assuming the... Or he's kind of making a joke with the Japanese having problems with the R's and L's. Because if you switch out the L's with R's in that one, you end up with Ue le Sorcier. And it's like, where's the sorcerer? Hmm. Couldn't tell you. Come back next re- next show for Artanelico. That's all I can tell you. Are, uh, are you running out of uh, retro RPGs? Every week, you still got something new to talk about. You know that that's Mickey's department. But looking at the uh, looking at the forum, uh, we have this like forum list that he's got. He's got us scheduled all the way through 110, and then with a whole show dedicated to Legend Dragoon. Woo! And then he's got like another. Tw- oh, it has to be almost 30, 40 games listed after that. Wow! All right. So, so there you go. There you go. Episode 150. Here we come. Yeah, Kingsfield. I, Jake, I, yeah, I couldn't. Just looking over the list, we, we're, we're looking like just next few ones. We need to talk about Lord of the Rings games. Apparently, we're having a whole show. 95 is a whole show about Lord of the Rings. 96, La Pucelle, McKay Kingdom, Soul Nomad, which I thought I'd talk to. Maybe we did it on a Blast from the Recent Past. Uh, yeah, and as we closed in on the big 100 show, so yeah, lots of lots of lots of game. I don't know where he finds them from. Uh, you think he'd run out? No, never, never. So can you give me a hint? They, 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 the anything the special problem is, the... is that the, the PlayStation Two just never went away. <laughs> the PlayStation Two, no, yeah, it just kept chugging How long those things. Like, was ten years? Ooh, wow, yeah, yeah, it 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 when was pushing out RPGs. Yeah, if it wasn't pushing out in year 10, it was definitely in the year 9. It was pushing out RPGs right till Poison, uh, what was it? Uh, poison... The, the last? It was, uh, oh, it, it started with Poison. Poison something was one of the last ones I got. Anywho, 
Um, okay, what was I saying? Oh, you know, we were talking about... Um, the fact that the PlayStation 2 would not die. Would not die, that's right. Night. The last game I remember covering for PlayStation 2 was... Um, it was one of the Summon Night games. Um, and it was for PlayStation 2, and it might have been 2010. Oh, really? I got. I remember buying Eternal Poison. That was 2008. Yeah, that was the very last PlayStation 2 game that I covered. The only other PlayStation 2 RPG I remember seeing anywhere in the news since then was Final Fantasy XI, because the last expansion had a PlayStation 2 release, and it actually made it onto the sales charts for one week. Technically, I think the last PlayStation 2 made was actually a Sony Bravia TV. MLB... Here a sac sac. Oh, how can I forget Sac Sakura Wars? Uh, that was the uh, last RPG to come out, March thirtieth, twenty ten. Yeah. Now apparently there is a Sony Bravia twenty two inch seven twenty two inch TV that has a PlayStation two inside it. Ooh, there we go. That's actually kind of neat. That's an RPG machine ready to go. Sweet. Well, it displays seven twenty p, which may not, which doesn't exactly get along with your PlayStation two. We no, not really. Hmm. Okay. So, yes, lots of really cool and exciting stuff coming up. So you want to make sure to keep checking us out. Uh, let's see, which show are we on now? This is 93. Wait, is this 90? Yeah, this is 93, right? <laughs> Lose track after a while. Agree. Uh, 93. So I need to talk about game number 8 on my list. I'm, I'm going to take a little pin here because i got to mark this out. Okay. Okay. <sighs> So, I'm counting down my favorite top ten games. I invite everybody else to do the same. You guys could do the same. I don't care. We can read your top ten list here on the show as we count down to our 100th episode. As I mentioned before, this is just going through my personal list of top ten games, and no one can guess what my top game's going to be. No one at all. Nobody. Yeah, we do have Not something really nobody. cool. We do have something really, really cool planned for the 100th episode. It is really going to be awesome. Um, but anywho, my uh, let's see, number eight. We're on number eight list, and that would be Chrono Trigger. Woohoo! Super Nintendo love. Gosh, that game was so awesome. I mean, it still is, but dang, now when it first came out, the graphics, the music, the story, the time—it's one of those few things where there's time warp involved, and you're actually into it and don't get lost too much. The characters were so much fun. Oh my gosh. It's just so much really cool things going on in Chrono Trigger. Y'all play Chrono Trigger? Yes. Who no. Hasn't played Chrono? Who hasn't played what, what, what was that? You haven't played Chrono Trigger? I have not Who played has? Chrono Trigger. Oh my gosh. You gotta go and play. Burn the heretic. What's that? Burn the heretic. Burn the heretic at the stake. Hey, hey, you know what? I will say this. I am proud to be one of the only sort of invent, like evangelists and enthusiasts of solely Western RPGs on RP Gamer. I am a rare breed. And I push that agenda hard. I appreciate it. I salute you, good sir. Doesn't mean you can't dip your toe in the other pool once in a while, play some of the classic, the greatest, the awesomest, you know, games out there. I didn't have, I had a Sega at the time. I didn't have a Super Nintendo. It's on the DS. You know, remake, beautiful, put it with the headphones, you're good to go. I will be honest with you right now. The idea of us playing like a hundred, how long is that game? Oh, it's short. Oh, you can get through, uh, you actually, you can get right to the boss right near the beginning if you want, you won't beat him. Um, but you can get through the, the main story in like 20-ish hours. It's, it's, it's a, for, for, um, this, the story is a little bit short. It's definitely not a Final Fantasy VI or anything like that, but it's very sweet. Uh, it's a lot of fun. The combat system's a little bit faster. Kind of a real-time active thing. A little, um, only three characters on the screen at one time. Um, moves a little faster than normal. Uh, when you get into a fight, the, uh, screen doesn't transition like Final Fantasy VI because because the final fights take place right there. You can actually run around enemies if you want. Um, I'm not really sure what that does to your leveling. 
you know, over the long run, because I, I would normally just go and kill everything in my way for fear that I would need levels later on. That's just my normal approach. Uh, I at least try to kill everything once. But, um, uh, yeah, you can actually – some of the – well, now I think about it. When I went through and replayed it again, that whole idea that you can run around the enemies and therefore not deal with the quote-unquote random encounters, actually I think that was a little bit of a falsity in Chrono Trigger because a lot of those enemies would just spring out at you, and you had no choice but to fight them. There's a few you could get around, though. Um, but shucks. This was uh, – I, I guess I got to do the official so, doohickey let broadcast. me ask you. Yeah. This was released in March 11, 1995, like, uh, by the way. March 11, 1995. Just saying. Square, awesome. Enix, all the way for your Super Nintendo, and later on on the DS. I don't remember exactly when. That date's not listed, but it wasn't that long ago. <laughs> maybe like eight years, five years, five years ago, maybe. If I had to pick off the top of my head. Anyways, what were you going to ask? Oh, uh, so it's your favorite game, not just because Number it's eight. something you loved, like in your nostalgia, like sort of in in hindsight, but you actually love it because you you've played it recently and it still holds up for you. Yeah, I mean. Um, uh, I've always said before with with JRPGs, um, they get very formulaic. Uh, I mean, the battles are all the same. They don't re- they don't require a whole lot of thinking. For me, they they kind of boil down a lot of times to attack, attack, heal. Like we've been through this fifteen times, so I get in arguments with people about. It. But that's just the way, you know. I perceive a, a lot of them. They they kind of put me to sleep unless I'm watching TV at the same time. Um, Chrono Trigger just felt like a tighter experience overall. You got to pay a little bit more attention to what's going on. You got combos when you're into fights you can uh, combine your skills like uh, marley the the lady she can do uh I, I had her doing fire magic for whatever reason and uh your your main character chrono he, he's a swordsman so you can actually have her cast fire on the sword and he'll go and start doing fire circles you know taking a sword and swinging around him in circles and just you know carving up the enemies positioning is kind of important even though i don't believe no i can't exactly you can't exactly position your characters but where they end up after attacks and where the enemies are after attacks makes um some of your moves more valid than uh, more more effective than others depending on the positioning so you are paying more attention to the combat than your typical you know jrpg where it's just pretty much the same attack attack heal um so positioning yeah pretty cool elemental strengths and weaknesses kind of come into play there huh. too yeah, so it was just um, the story was kind of touch was was well, it wasn't kind of touching. It was pretty touching. I thought it was touching, but yeah, it was just so it's good to hear that it's not just nostalgia. So no, actually, I've, I've played experience. it in like recent memory, and it's legitimately RPG. good. And you know, I don't have Super NES or JRPG hangups. <laughs> hangups. No, I mean, and, and these are games, and that's why I kind of when I pick my top ten list, uh, there were a number of games that I dropped for that exact same uh, for that for that line of logic. I dropped the gold box games. I love them to death. But if you were to go back and play them today, there's no way they hold up because of the controls. You know, the, the controls are just so whacked. Plus, the the rules are archaic. Uh, you have to go to Cornell University um, or read the instruction books three times forwards and backwards. It's just not made anywhere close for today's gamer would would ever enjoy. Even I, in my even with my rose-colored glasses, would have a hard time going back and playing them. Um, but Chrono Trigger really holds itself up well. The, the 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 Game Boy version is a little bit better to play because it does have like um, I think I had the command on the screen you can tell oh no i just the control pad but it has a little extra content and such um except i don't remember the extra content because i didn't really fart around with that a whole lot <laughs> hmm. did, anybody, did you did you all play the extra content 
No. Nah, I just stuck with the main. Yeah, that's all I was kind of interested in. Um, but yeah, good good characters that you kind of fall in love with. If you hate anime, then you probably won't. I mean, they do have you know the anime look, anime type of personalities, and the such. If you're looking for that hardcore, you know, Western RPG flavor, no, it, it still is a JRPG. But it does break the mold in enough ways. Uh, you know, a, a story that isn't that isn't super cliche, a battle system that breaks the mold. It was doing this, you know, back in the day when few other games were so. Uh, and it still holds, yeah, kind of holds up today. So, unless you just don't, you know, like that kind of game, Western RPGs. Well, yay! So, oh, not me. Uh, don't, 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 don't. You have to direct at me. I'm just indifferent. <laughs> so oh, you're just you're indifferent. Oh, okay. I'm, I don't care either way, but it's nice to hear. I like to hear. I I I care about why you care about it. I care. Um, yeah, I never dig it. I heard there was some um, an- an- anime or something like that. I never got into anything else about it, but I love the the game itself and the music. Uh, you can go back and listen oh, to music today. It's great. So Toriyama actually made a, little, a whole little anime based on the art style. Well, just basically Dragon Ball art style. That'd be interesting. Oh, yeah. It, hey, it was released in 2008. I'm good. Right. Uh, the DS version was 2008. So you can get you can probably get that pretty cheap these days. I bet you that's a lot of money. I bet you that. That's high price. Well, it's also oh, that, available yeah. on your smartphone. <gasps> really? It is, isn't it? It was recently For ported to iOS. For too much. For too much. Really? Well, how much is it like on the Like $17 or something. Oh, yeah. It's, it's square. Like, it's like 17 and I'm like, for 10 I wouldn't really think about it. For 17 nah. I don't even think it's universal. I think if you want it for your iPhone and your iPad, you have to pay twice. I I just saw it on the Google Play Store, so it's oh. a little different in that way. Good old gold square in their pricing strategies on the on the on the phone devices. Just awesome. I just I haven't bought a Square game yet. Um, just yeah, come on, Square. You know we've already got like three copies of the game. You know just. Anyways, if you want to buy it on the Super Nintendo, good luck because I mean, with the retro gaming really catching on lately, the Chrono Trigger copies have uh, been going for as gosh as high as two hundred bucks. You can get a used copy without the instructions and crap for probably under a hundred. But um, uh, better, better, better sticking with the the DS version, I would imagine. Let's see how much the DS version is here. Eh, da, 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 Super Nintendo DS version is like twenty bucks. <laughs> That's the version I get, twenty bucks. I, I wouldn't pay. Uh, I wouldn't pay a hundred bucks for it. But man, back in the day, I must have paid. Oh my gosh, I think I paid sixty, seventy, which was worth more back then. So I practically almost paid a hundred bucks back in the day. It was worth it. Okay, moving on. What are you doing, Mister Baker? What's up with you? What's new? What's awesome? What's what is going on in the world of Michael Baker? Well, right now I'm just trying to figure out what I'm going to be doing to my fifth grade students this evening when they get to do their dra- Dungeons and Dragon quest again. Again. I will bear. I will bear. I decided that. Oh no! No, right now they're in the middle of the sewers, hunting rats and getting attacked by were rats. So. Make sure one of them contracts horrible, horrible disease. Well, we're not working on that set of rules. So. I, I know. Uh, I'm, I'm just. I'm. I'm not kind of. I am borrowing wholesale from uh, Dragon Quest monsters right now for pretty much everything. So it's it's kind of fun. Well, if you're in the sewers, oh chugs. Some some gelatinous cube. Always room for gelatinous cube. I had gelatinous cube beat some adventures the other day. It was fun. Oh no, I'm I'm planning on springing um, the uh, the rat monk on them. Old Japanese monster, um, like a kung fu rat man with bones like steel. Mm. The kind of thing. The kind of guy that. So it's Master Splinter. Master Splinter gone insane. Well, that's I did that to the I did that to the party once. Had them down in a sewer, and they fought four large turtles and a were rat. 
<laughs> it took the I players have... a while to figure out that reference. Well, you actually have to do you do have to kill mutated turtles in Far Cry Blood Dragon. Oh, nice. They are in the sewers. The sewers are full of pizza, and those little those little bastards are deadly. <laughs> That's too funny. They don't actually do anything. They'll like flip switches as you're walking by, and you're covered in fire. And I'm like, what? Why do the sewers have fire? Because obviously somebody was doing their homework on the old ninja hideout gags, and they decided to put all the traps in. Yeah, all the traps. I took great joy in shooting with exploding shotgun shells. Seen a lot of good things about the old uh, Far Cry expansion there. Hmm. Anything else, Mr. Baker? Um, well, since it just got recently announced, I've decided to actually start up my copy of Bravely Default. I was going to hold off until the summer so I could time a review and with the uh, original release date, but I figured I oh, might as well get it done with now. Hmm. Cool. And Shades of Final Fantasy III, the original, this thing is very old school in many ways. Annoyingly old school in some ways. So, so I, I never played Four Warriors of Light, but it, it, has the, um, ha, it does seem to have the whole hats thing but going down with it, too. Cool. Kai, what about Mr. Manny? I'm um, just in E3 mode right now. E3. Uh, yeah, appointments, trying to get appointments. Figuring out why I don't have appointments. What's up with that? Why don't you have appointments? I checked the wrong box during registration. Usually, like for the past several years, you, you there's a box underneath E3 registration that says no third-party emails, so you can avoid spam from like the worst offenders. And usually, like the, the you know the, the the right publishers, they know to send it to you anyway. They you know they know to send you stuff. But this year, apparently, Anna was telling me, oh, uh, just pause over on RP Gamer. She said that this year it's a hard enforcement where if you check that box, you're not getting nothing. And apparently, 60% of the press who registered check that box every year because that's just what you do. 60% of people aren't getting any email, so you have to get them through their other sources or other PR people. So it's a bit more of a headache this year than it should be. Ouch. Honestly, though, I don't think E3 is going to be very good for us as a site. Because, you know, why? Uh, yeah, why? I want to know why. Because how, when's the last time I remember playing a, a console launch RPG? Never! <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, the stuff that's going to be there, I mean, if, if it hasn't been announced already, it's next gen. And I doubt we're going to be seeing, like, Dragon Age 3 on launch on the PS3, on the PS4, or the next, you know, Fallout 4. I don't, I don't think Fallout 4 is going to be there in any real big way. I don't think that, I think a lot of the big RPGs that we expect or really care about aren't really going to be there in full force. Hmm. I mean, not to say there won't be some interesting small games. I'm sure Nisa will bring some good stuff. I'm sure Atlas will have some fun stuff. But if you're expecting like the next big, you know, big budget RPG, or like, or like, some of like the like sort of mid years are when you expect like, oh, here's here's like. I remember one year we had White Knight Chronicles. We had like you name an RPG. It was like one from every company. It was a really busy year. I think this year is going to be kind of light for RPG gamer as a whole. Uh-huh. What do we get? Well, what, what do you even have on the announcement thing? Well, I know, like, from for Square Enix, year. what to expect. Like, from Square Enix, you'd think they're the big RPG house, right? Uh, I think this year their big showing is going to be, like, Final Fantasy XIV, uh, the HD remakes of FF10, 10 and Kingdom Hearts. We, we might have something to see from Witcher 3, maybe? Um, I think they're going to... Ha- I'm not quite sure yet. I think they might be showing something small, but I don't know if it'll be playable. Maybe just like a little demo, the demonstration. Certainly not Cyberpunk. Oh, definitely not. So, you know, it's small stuff. I don't think it's going to be really big. 
Well, even what's later this year that we might have. Yeah, um, cool. I think the biggest, like, I'm like, don't get me wrong, I I know Pokemon's huge, but if you're talking like big console PC stuff, I think the biggest thing at that point is like uh, Styles Park Stick of Truth, which we still don't even have a date for. So yeah, <laughs> so I think Pokemon is probably the biggest RPG of the last half of the holiday season. Mm, Got to catch them all mm-hmm. again, again, the yeah, for the sixteenth time. Got, yeah. Got big purchases planned for May and June. But those won't be in America for at least a year. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So I think for like North America, it's a little, it's going to be a little lean, mm-hmm. unless you're playing like a lot, unless you're really excited for some very specific Japanese RPGs like uh, SMT4, and hopefully that'll keep you busy during the summer. You know. Oh, I'm I'm going to have plenty to keep me busy in the summer anyway. But I'm looking forward to SMT4 and the new Atelier game. Yeah, good, good. Yeah. I, I wish I was more into JRPGs myself because then I, I think I'd be set. But as a result, I think I'm going to be diet finishing off my backlog this year for the rest of the day. So that's what I've been up to. There are a few. I, I did get to go to an E3 pre-judges day event yesterday. I'm in embargo, so I can't tell you anything. But I did see something interesting there. A little off some interesting stuff there. So I'll look forward to talking about that later. Um, other than that, just the usual stuff. Okay. How about you, Mr. Scott? Um... Well, I've got a couple of little bits of content coming up for the site. Like, I've got a review of uh, Deadline's Hell on Earth Reloaded, ready to go probably tomorrow as a recording. So you've already seen it and already responded to me with indignant rage about how I could be so mean to something so mediocre. Yeah, how could you? And after that, there should be something ready for, an impression ready for Far Cry 3 Blood Dragon. Short story, it's Far Cry with neon on it. <laughs> Wait, Far Cry, oh yeah, yeah. So how's that going? No, I'm, I'm done playing it. It's written, I just gotta go through it and get it posted. Happy Far Cry. Looks pretty good. And I haven't really played anything for more than two hours and I, at a go. Like, I'm just, nothing's holding my attention right now. Well, I know that feeling too well. I know it all too well. Been there, done that. Can Transistor come out, like, right now? That's what I want. What's Transistor? The, the next game from the Bastion people. Oh. Super Giant Games. I think for me, my indie game I'm waiting for the most is probably Mugenics. Hmm. Okay. And the next game from the Team Meat people. Oh, that's late, you guys. You guys stay up late for the show, don't you? That's right. Uh, well, we're almost there. We're on the well, long stretch. What's that, Mike? Oh, we're I on the... To get, I need to get to... Need to get to something. Skype is not our friend today. It is not. It's kind of breaking up here. Well... I have a class in about two hours, so I need to get going. Yeah, yeah well, we're just about we're just about done. You can leave if you'd like, though, Mr. Mike. We appreciate you being on the show. Um, as uh, as for um, me, not not a whole lot. Um, just been playing, um, have I been playing much lately? You know, I've been playing just online games with the family and the friends, which, uh, involves, uh, involves the ever-so-exciting World of Warcraft. Uh, been playing some, um, God Mode. I think that's from one of those guys, isn't it? God Mode? Is that Atlas? I think that's Atlas. God must be Atlas. If they published it, I think it's Eastern European. What's that? Oh, they published it. That's right. That's what happened. It's exactly right. Um, uh, they, they, Atlas did publish it, but I think it's an Eastern European game. 
Yeah, yeah, and it's it's been pretty it's pretty fun. Um, it's 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 not the most exciting uh, co-op game. I think I still like Orcs Must Die uh, more than that, but um, uh, or StarCraft, but. Um, uh, we we've been having some fun with it. It's a little different. It's it's fun. It, it's a very retro. It, it feels like if you ever played like Serious Sam or one of those old um, one of those old uh, you know first person shooters where the monsters feel kind of cheesy and they're teleporting in front of you and back of you and you're just running around like a chicken with your head cut off. Yeah, it, it's kind of like one of those deals. Um, and um, uh, yeah, it, it's pretty fun. Um, when you're playing with other people, playing by yourself, it's it's uh, harder than it probably should be, and um, yeah, not quite as fun. But um, enjoying, been doing that, and some StarCraft on the side, like I mentioned. So uh, I think that is it. I think we're all just a little tired, so we'll go ahead and wrap that up. Um, RPG Backtrack is a production of RPGamer.com, your source for news, reviews, and home to the best gaming community on the net. So check us out at RPGamer.com. Follow us at Twitter.com forward slash RPGamer. You can follow me at Twitter.com forward slash JCServant. And uh, look us up at uh, Facebook.com forward slash RPGamer if I'm not mistaken. Um, please leave your comments on iTunes. We love to we love to see those comments. Well, only if they're five stars. If you got one star comment, just keep it to yourself. We don't. Just kidding. <laughs> and um, yeah, I am proud of my one star review on iTunes because it was given to me by an asshat. <laughs> yeah, I've been dealing with them. Um, and uh, you can also dealing. Uh, yeah, you can also write your uh, your comments about our show at board uh, at our forums at board.rpgamer.com. Uh, let us know what you think. Um, so, on behalf of uh, my co-host, Mr. Mike Minky, myself, uh, your host Phil Willis, and our fine uh, panel of guests today, Mr. Scott Walker, Manny, and uh, that other guy, Baker Man. Uh, thank you all, and we'll see you next time on the RPG Backtrack. The RPG Backtrack, your source for retro games.